Hi, I'm Seth Gumry, and this is Rebuilding the American Dream. In this podcast, we introduce you to thought leaders who are shaping the lives of the next generation to discuss the challenges and innovations influencing higher education and how we can adapt to give students a strong foundation for their futures. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Felicia Nave of Alcorn State University in Lorman, Mississippi. An alumna of Alcorn State, Dr. Felicia Nave became its 20th and first female president in 2019. Alcorn is America's oldest historically black land-grant university. Prior to her appointment as Alcorn's president, Dr. Nave served as provost and vice chancellor for academic affairs at North Carolina Central University and served in various academic and administrative roles at Prairie View A&M University. Dr. Nave's responsibilities included fundraising activities, expanding external partnerships, and growing alumni relations. She also managed all student services functions, including recruitment, admissions, registrar's office, financial aid, academic engagement, and student success. Some of Dr. Nave's awards include University of Toledo Department of Chemical Engineering Outstanding Alumna Award in 2019, the AICHE Mac Eminent Scholars Award in 2017, the Top 30 Influential Women of Houston Award in 2015, the Who's Who in Black Houston of 2015, and the Diverse Issues Emerging Scholars Under 40 2013. Dr. Nave graduated cum laude with a bachelor's degree in chemistry from Alcorn State in 1996. She holds a master's degree in chemical and environmental engineering and a doctorate in engineering, both from the University of Toledo in Toledo, Ohio. Dr. Nave, thank you so much for joining today. We greatly appreciate all of your time. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, talk about a place that's near and dear. Uh, one that is an amazing institution in Alcorn State University. So anytime uh, that I'm asked to be an ambassador or a beacon on behalf of the university, it is always an extreme honor. You've been a trailblazing leader at, at HBCUs for the majority of your career. Tell us more about your experiences, what led you back to Alcorn, but also what led you into just higher education leadership in the first place? Upon reflection, after a nearly 18, 19 year professional career, I think it was just my destiny. I think it was how I was supposed to live out my particular purpose. I am the daughter of an educator and come from a long line of teachers, uh, both in K-12, as well as in higher ed. And then I married a teacher. Uh, And so I couldn't run away from it and spent uh, my time growing up being presented with the opportunity to see people in different spaces and places at different um, levels uh, in life and being available or being developed such that I would be available to help people advance, particularly those who were less fortunate or who may not have access to information and resources than me. So I think the path to where I am now began long before I even knew that this is where uh, I would be. I was in leader in training, uh, as they would say. The community developed us, the things that we learned in church from public speaking to you know writing different essays and so forth. And so it was only a natural progression as I moved into after getting my degree that I decided I wanted to come back uh, to a place where I had the opportunity to continue to pour uh, into people to be a valuable resource uh, to others who may not have access 
uh, who may not have um, the same type of upbringing, background, training, access to resources. And so in coming back to or deciding to come back to the academy, I had a choice to make whether or not to go to a mainstream larger institution or whether or not to come back to a historically Black college and university because of the massive benefit that I had received from going to an HBCU, the nurturing, the development, uh, the exposure, I wanted to come back and be that same type of resource for others. And so I chose to come back to an HBCU, a similar HBCU in the sense that another land grant institution. Uh, and I started out as a faculty member at the lowest realm of the faculty ranks as an assistant professor. Uh, and then just continued to work building networks, uh, engaging in professional development activities, and then being available for others to nurture, for others to mentor. You know, I walked the traditional path of moving from an assistant through a full professor, uh, taking in all of the learning um, that is uh, needed in order to understand the life and role of a faculty member, how that plays into uh, the curriculum development engaging in student development activities as an assistant dean, running the scholarship programming, developing co-curricular activities that ultimately would support what the students were learning in the classroom. So I was able to gain some knowledge and um, expertise around student development, and then finally moving up into upper administration where I had opportunity to get a broader perspective of how the academic enterprise work holistically. And so I've been fortunate uh, to have engaged in every aspect of what it means to be in an academic institution, which ultimately prepared me for the role that I now serve in as president of Alcorn State University. So I didn't skip a step. I went to faculty, to administrative, with progressive leadership uh, and learning each level I believe that it's important for me to understand what those who you have the, the opportunity to lead, what their experience is like and understand what their challenges are, what the barriers to them um, being successful in their role. So as I find myself in a position to make positive change, I can better understand how to do that in a more meaningful way. It's a great statement, a great piece of advice. I was, as you were talking, I was saying, what piece of advice would you would you have for someone who is going through uh, and beginning their career in higher education? But I think we got to it at the end there, just that ability if you are moving towards wanting to, to lead an institution or even a department within an institution to understand all of the different people within that institution is so important or within that department. So you can, you can really understand where everybody's coming from. Very important. And I would also add, don't skip any steps. You know, I think people are too eager to get to the top Yes, it may look good, the title may look good, but it comes with a lot of responsibility. So I am of the belief it matters that you go through the progressive advancement so that you understand the nuances and the details of what's required uh, at each level. And so another part of that advice is don't skip the steps. The success, the advancement, the roles will come, but it's what whether or not you're prepared to lead in those roles. And that's gonna be based on what you've learned at those lower levels. And what does it mean to you to come back and lead your alma mater? 
how, how does that feel? Is there is there extra pressure? With, with this was the place that you know sort of the beginning of your higher education career. How does how does that feel? I can definitely say that when I was a student here, uh, I did not think, oh, in twenty five years I'll be back here leading here. <laughs> Actually, thought I was going to leave and I wasn't coming back. Um, but when the opportunity presented itself, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity, and so it was a no brainer. Uh, that I would come back um, because it makes the experience more personal. I have a personal attachment to this place, not just because I received a degree here, but my mom, my aunts. So it's, it's a personalized experience that, you know, although you serve other institutions at 200%, it's nothing like serving a place that has that type of deep history for you. Uh, and so coming back has been uh, exhilarating. But at the same time, you know, it has its extra challenges because people sometimes have expectations uh, that are not always fulfilled, but you do the best that you can. And where I think the broader hope is that in having an alum at the helm, that leader will take special care of a place that we all hold dear to our hearts. We may not agree on everything, but we can agree that Alcorn State University is what we as alums seek to protect and to advance. Alcorn has an incredibly rich and storied history itself. And in fact, this year you're celebrating the 150th anniversary of the founding of the university, 100 years of Alcorn State Braves football. What does that history and tradition mean to you? And how does that impact your plan and your mission as you move the, the institution forward? We have an absolutely amazing history. And in coming back, I learned something new and rich about the university every day. And so it makes it even more significant that the work that I do, that our team does, that the collective university does, sets the university up to be around uh, for another 150 years graduating, educating individuals who continue to make into to have an international or a global impact. And so you, you learn about how we've graduated civil rights leaders. We have leaders in the state of Mississippi who head up top agencies. Um, we have leaders at, at the federal level, national level, Fortune 500 companies on TV, entertaining, as you said, 100 years of football who are excelling in sports. You know, I think we punch above our weight class uh, as an institution. And I think that speaks volumes to the history, the tradition of this place, that a place where knowledge and character matter where we embody within or we try to pour into all of our students the importance of being someone of good character, having integrity, being inclusive in how we approach our work and how we deal and interact with other people. We're also celebrating 50 years of ROTC. And so there's just so much, so much history, so much tradition that in my time as president, I have the unique opportunity to build off of. So it's about elevating uh, what that experience looks like. It's about um, graduating students who are not only embodied the knowledge in between the pages of the books, but they are the innovators and entrepreneurs of the future. They are uh, the graduates who will solve tomorrow's problems while also having an attractive, uh, highly qualified, innovative faculty and staff who continue to contribute in their 
their respective areas of disciplinary study, who put Alcorn on the mark in a different kind of way, uh, in a larger way, in a remote, more robust way. Um, but you know, our future is extremely bright. We continue to move forward, press forward, elevate profile, which ultimately elevates the experience uh, for our student. Every student that enters this campus, regardless of where they're starting, once they're here, it's our responsibility to make sure that they have a transformational experience, that they leave better off than when they came, and we're committed to making sure that that happens. I love what you said at the end there, that it's for every student that comes onto campus, right? It's it's your responsibility to make sure that they have that, that transformational experience in a day and age where too many of us are questioning the value of, our, of an education and is this the right decision? And it's that mission to do so that's, that's so important. Part of that as being a land-grant institution, right, is you've had a great deal of interaction and partnership between Alcorn and the surrounding communities and businesses, as well as the agricultural sector. Can you share a bit about those external partnerships, the ones you're building, the ones you currently have, the success that Alcorn has had with those, and then, and then how that contributes to that, the transformation for students? So Alcorn has a major responsibility in this region. Uh, the Southwest uh, region of Mississippi is one of the poor uh, regions uh, in the state, in a state that is one of the poorest states in, in the nation. And so uh, not just the educational opportunity that we provide, but uh, all of the extension work that we do in the communities and have training our formers. We are home to the National Center for Socially Disadvantaged Ranchers and Formers, uh, making sure that policy decisions are being uh, researched and we're contributing to increase their access and opportunity and fair shake uh, at being able to continue to do forming work. We also recently was named as one of the women's small business centers so that we can focus on helping develop female leaders and entrepreneurs, making sure that they have access to resources, to professional development and materials that not only encourage uh, new businesses, but support uh, existing businesses. We are in many ways the economic driver for this Southwest region. Our primary area is 13 counties uh, in this Southwest region, but we have a presence all across the state through our extension agents with our faculty, staff, uh, and our students. And so uh, we work hand in hand with our state and local legislators, agencies, such as NRCS, which is a big supporter of all corn, USDA, which fits with it, not just with our agriculture students, but also with our business students as well. Uh, we produce the teachers. We provide the diversity for our school districts uh, in, in graduating uh, the teachers who goes out into the communities and work in the school district to help train and prepare that next generation of scholar uh, that comes through the districts in Mississippi and in other states. Um, we have partnerships with a number of companies global companies such as Cargill. Uh, earlier today, we kicked off a significant partnership uh, with Cargill. They have deepened their investment in the university. And so that it's more than just scholarship. It's also about making sure that our students are exposed to networks and that they have the professional acumen uh, and skills that are gonna be needed in this next generation of graduate. We partner with Takeda, with Microsoft 
Google, IBM just had a student who went to Morgan Stanley, just offered him a job. And so our students have the opportunity to engage uh, and we continue to work partnerships so that they do have those type of uh, experiences and they can go all around the world. But we understand our responsibility to this local community in the broader area, which also includes a couple of parishes uh, in Louisiana to make sure that we're good, we're a good citizen in the space and place uh, where we live. So um, offering summer programs, offering um, career career access programs, uh, working with teachers, working with cert certification program, expanding our footprint in this region uh, to make sure that we can speak to the broader needs and, and not just their educational needs, but also the social and cultural needs. We are home to the Southwest Mississippi Cultural Center. Uh, we have a magnificent choir uh, and band and ensemble. So we provide the cultural awareness and education for this region as well. And so it's about making sure that we can um, be as comprehensive and offer as robust of an experience to the students, to the community, uh, and to the, to the state as possible. You're doing so much, right? As so many institutions are and, and listening to everything, it's it's amazing. And I, I love what you're saying of punching above your weight class or, or I guess I would sort of like to say, maybe you're redefining what your weight class should be. But how do you engage a new student in all of that? It, it can be overwhelming at times. How do you bring them in and say, you know, hey, you, you belong here. Here are all the options. Yes, it's overwhelming, but here's how you can take part and become a member of the community. You're absolutely correct. It is a very um, complex challenge. Sometimes we get it right and sometimes we totally um, miss the mark because what we have to continuously embrace is that these kids are changing. And so what may have worked one year may not work the next year. It is further complicated um, by this global pandemic and mental health issues um, that are, you know, may have already been present, but definitely are heightened because of all that has changed, so much that they've lost. And so we're having to think about brainstorm on and introduce new ways to do old things um, in order to attract them. Social media, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. So things move like hot fire, a wildfire, not always the positive things, sometimes the negative things. And so you're also trying to manage, navigate the imaginary <laughs> um, because things just, just don't always play. So it's important from day one when students come in, almost before they get here, that we start to develop those relationships, understand um, what their likes are, their dislikes, so that as we're developing programming, we're developing programming that meets the needs of the student. And that can be hard because that means that your faculty and your staff, you have to change how you normally do business and change is hard, change is hard for everyone. Uh, and so it's something that we continue to work at. Uh, like I said, we, sometimes we hit it out of the park and other times we fall completely flat, but it's through the commitment 
uh, to the students to making sure that they have the experience that they need, that we continue to come back time and time again and try uh, new things, talking to peers and colleagues, looking at what's high impact practices, best practices, what others are doing in order to try to make sure that we are meeting those students where they are in order to get them where we need them to be. But that's critical in it. We got to meet them where they are. They're individuals. And so we have to figure out and work with our students from that framework. We will meet you where you are in order to take you where we know you need to be. So important to, to, to meet people where they are. And I, and I was just thinking as you were talking, right? We've always been talking about the new normal, the new normal, but I actually, I like your way of phrasing it of new ways to do the old thing. It's continuing to continuously listen to what the students, um, not just what they say, um, but hear through some of the words uh, to be able to pull out uh, what their true needs are. It's in your programming, uh, making sure that we are constantly looking at best practices, seeing what our peers are doing, that we're engaging with them, um, that we're meeting with them. They like to see us in their space. Uh, events, sporting events, comedy shows, step shows, parties. They want to be around the adults um, because they have a desire uh, to have that to have that presence. Uh, and I think some of that goes back to, you know, with everything that's going on with the pandemic, so much has been lost. So they're looking for that fellowship. They're looking for that attention and they're looking for people who are sincere about pouring into them, helping them develop, helping them navigate what is a complex um, world. And that's what we're here for. We're here to try to um, help students develop the skill sets, not just from an academic perspective, but holistically, so that when they leave here, they feel like they are prepared uh, to be successful and to continue into that next phase of life. Another question that I have for you, and, and really important, is you're talking about empowering students and, and helping them navigate their their path through as as they, you know, come into the university and find their own way through to their future. Your own education and research has been in engineering and, and STEM fields. As the first female president of of Alcorn, the student body of which is predominantly female, can you share your thoughts on the importance of empowering women in STEM education and and how Alcorn is and, and will continue to contribute to that? Oh, absolutely. It is one of those areas that's near and dear uh, to my heart. Being a female uh, who chose to go into uh, what turned out to be a male-dominated area um, has been, you know, it has its, its positives and its negatives. And, and so I've always approached the work as being wanting to make sure that other young ladies also were aware of what their opportunities are and how that impacts not just their career life, but how it impacts their personal life as well. And so anything uh, I've, I've tried to engage and be a part of developing programs at all levels, uh, whether that's with children, students, through uh, adults, pro working professionals in developing programming that make sure that they're 
they have access to as much information as possible to make the best uh, decisions. It's, it's not so much about driving them uh, into the profession as it is about making sure they have the knowledge to know that it is an option. Uh, I grew up in a small town uh, in Mississippi, and for the most part, you know, people were teachers, uh, they were medical doctors, knew about lawyers, and police. That's it. And so when I graduated, um, was not really aware that engineering or STEM fields was an option because in my local small community, there were no people who looked like me, uh, who were of my gender, who had successful careers in those fields. So I didn't know what the model looked like for that. I knew I was going to college because that's what my folks told me I was going to do. Um, but in terms of what all of the breadth of opportunities uh, that was out there, it was limited. And, you know, it was before the advent of the internet. So all we had was those encyclopedias. And if you didn't know where to go, you wasn't going to find it. Um, and, you know, fortunately, my mother was in the National Guard and, and one of her colleagues was an electrical engineer. My mother spoke about me as she always does and did and told him I like math and science. And he said, well, she should go in engineering. And it has turned out to be a, it was an excellent um, decision uh, for me. But I don't think that's how students should end up in that space, particularly women. I think information should be available so that they can make a educated choice because there's so much that's out there. And it, it changes the trajectory of their life. So if you can set yourself up for a different type of wealth, a different level of wealth for the generations to come after you, that's the space that I sit in and try to provide that access, knowledge, and information so people, particularly women, can make informed choices that will definitely um, promote and elevate what their career experience looks like, but also what their professional and their lifestyle is like. So speaking of that access to information and that decision process, there's a lot of discussion out there and and a growing narrative of higher education not being worth it, that, you know, questioning the value of of the degree. In your opinion, how can we rebuild that faith in our institutions? Um, What is the role of Alcorn in in that uh, narrative? You know, I think we have to continue to tell the story. You know, I think it was the United Negro College Fund when I was coming out, uh, put out the moniker, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. That was true then, it is true now. And, and during that time, um, there were print materials or materials that were available that showed you how someone who had acquired a degree, what their earning potential looked like at each level. Um, The literature has not changed in that regard. What has changed is that as institutions, we're not doing as good of a job in uh, articulating and selling the message. And so we as institutions, um, in particular institution like Alcorn, for the communities that we target and serve, have to do a better job at you know, showing the data and making sure that when students graduate 
from the university, that they're able to obtain uh, jobs in the field and they can see that continued progression or advancement, not in just having a job, but in really establishing a career path. And so that gets back to the institution, making sure that we continuously evolve in our curriculums, that we're offering programming and degrees that are aligned with the market. If it's not aligned with the market, then we run the risk of having too many students who don't feel like they, you know, in acquiring that degree, that it benefited uh, what their personal uh, outlook looks like. And that's where those partnerships with those companies like a Cargill, like a Takeda, um, like a USDA, IBM, helps the institution to make sure that the graduate uh, we are developing fits with what the market demands, and we introduce them uh, into that career field with the knowledge and understanding that this is about a career path, not a job. And that in and of itself, I, I believe, will help turn that tide um, because they will personally see how that um, degree has benefited their long-term um, career proposition and their financial uh, positioning. But if we're not doing the work to make sure that we have the corporate partnerships and we're graduating more students or not who are not finding placements, then we're working against um, against ourselves. And it, it, it wouldn't hurt for us all to go on a, a, a marketing campaign, maybe do some rebranding uh, and start to do a better job of articulating, no, here's the truth, you still come out better. And the last thing I'd say on that, you know, I think some of it has come through because as the cost to attend college has continued to increase and states have continued to decrease their support in education, there's a real conversation in a, a definitely more substantive way that needs to be had about states reversing that trend in their divestment in higher ed and increasing their investment so that we can decrease. Because you have to pass the cost on somewhere. Uh, and so to the extent that we can balance that because um, it is an investment and you, you got to be able to see that paying for college is an investment in your future. But we do need our uh, state and federal government to also revisit their uh, continued decline in investment in higher ed. It's a great way to think about it. And we talk often about, right, this is, this is the first investment, true investment that so many people are going to make in their lives. It's mm -hmm. an investment into themselves. It's not mm -hmm. an investment into a house or a car or the stock market or a 401k, but it is that first investment. Um, and as you mentioned, the data hasn't changed. It's, it's very clear you know, where it leads, um, but the conversation has shifted. It's about the full life cycle of the students, not just how are we treating them when they are here, but it's how we are treating them you know, when they are leaving us and where they are going to. It's so important. And institutions have to be willing to embrace change. We, we got to be willing to be a bit more flexible. And just because we offered those degree programs for the past 50 years, if there is no market demand for it, just because it was, don't mean that it, it should continue to be. You know, there, there's value 
in philosophy and ethics and all that. But at the end of the day, we have to make sure that these students are graduating with marketable skills. That means they're going to land in a career path where they're going to feel fulfilled and rewarded. Yeah, I think as we were talking about earlier, right, it's we need to be able to meet the student where they are uh, and and bring them along to to where they need to be upon graduating. Doesn't mean that you can't be a philosophy major, but what are the skills that you will need at the at the end of your time as you come out from Alcorn? Because this podcast is about rebuilding the American dream. Obviously, on our side, we're very invested in higher education as as part of what uh, is the American dream. But we'd love to know what the American dream means uh, for you, Dr. Nath. The American dream for me is almost like a cliche. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's about being able to pursue those things that are that I value. It's about community. Uh, it's about being able to provide uh, for my personal family and for my broader community. It's about being able to learn uh, in a space that's free of you know, any biases about being able to be built up and empowered uh, to um, live out the life and have the, the type of lifestyle uh, that's important uh, to me and that I want to provide uh, for my family, but to the broader that everyone should have access to that same opportunity to um, pursue the things that they want uh, in life. And that's, and that's gonna be different for different people. And I think that's okay. I'd like to see us be more respectful of each other and respectful of the fact that, of the fact that we all come to the table with different life experiences. And based on our life experiences, that's gonna guide how we, how we make our decisions, how we um, view the world. And we don't always have to agree, but we can be respectful uh, of each other. So for me, the American dream is being able to have life, liberty, and pursue happiness uh, with with my family and provide for them. I I love that respect, especially in the stage, so important. As as you said, we aren't all always going to believe the same things or think the same things or have the same opinions, but if we can respect each other's opinions, so incredibly important. And to take us out, Dr. Dave, would love to hear that piece of advice that you give to young people who are contemplating their college future or, or their future more, more generally. What is that thing that you continually come back to and sort of find yourself saying to, to folks? I tell them the sky is the limit. If you can dream it, you can achieve it, that you don't allow other people to stop you from achieving or accomplishing what it is that you want for yourself in your, in, in your life. College, a college education is a important and a necessary endeavor for setting up your future and seeing things as investment. Uh, I often tell students instant gratification is not always the best. Putting things off for an appropriate point in time, it will come. Success will come. Positions will come. Money will come. It's important that you do things the right way and you do them with integrity, that you do them with character, but that you be bold about it. 
and that you don't allow other people to stop you from accomplishing whatever it is that you want to achieve. Seek out like-minded people. The old adage, birds of a feather flock together is true. So if you flock with negative people who are going nowhere, then that is probably what your, uh, your journey is going to look like. But be around people who are about the business of positive change, about having positive experiences, and about being good citizens. Um, not just to this country, but to the human race, because uh, there's enough room for everyone. And if we work together, then we can all rise. I, I love that advice. And thank you, Dr. Nave, for joining us today. It's incredible to have you here. Thank you for your leadership at Alcorn. And uh, it's just been, been an absolute pleasure. You've been listening to me, Seth Gummery, and this is Rebuilding the American Dream. Find out more on our website, americandream.fm, or follow us on Twitter, at Degree Insurance. Until next time.